With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are My Mom's a Werewolf and My Best Friend is a Vampire. Sucks to be you. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. It seems to happen a lot. Yeah. That's what happens. Swooping in and being like, we're taking this. Yeah, that's what happens when people invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into your movie. They can just go, yeah, well, whatever. Are, are money people going to swoop in and take our podcast away from us? Oh, I wish. I would sell out in a second. Oh, yeah. We're the money people. <laughs> I would be like, hey, come on. It's worth it. We have 200, even worse, they, 200s of downloads each episode. And they would be like, they would mm-hmm. swoop in and they're like, from now on, you guys are only doing like the shitty new release movies that no one gives a fuck about. <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> Give me that paycheck. <laughs> we'd have yeah. to negotiate something to maintain our artistic integrity we'd be like we'll do one yeah. shitty new release movie yeah. but we're also going to tag it up with one shitty old movie so i don't i don't i don't think i would <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think they would offer me a very meager amount of money they would be like we're gonna pay you twenty seven thousand a year and i'd be like so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I Do picture you, us as Wayne and Garth like dancing our way into the club with the money in our hands. We got five thousand dollars. We got five thousand dollars. Yeah, I'd sell out no problem. Oh, for so cheap! I am a cheap Thor. Oh. They would supply us with beer to drink while we recorded. I'd be like, yeah, whatever you guys want us to do, then it's fine. Uh, uh, that's hilarious. Well, as long as we're on the same page, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's kind of an irrelevant topic anyway. Nobody's, nobody's no, coming our way with any cash. It's not not an, an issue. Not nobody with the cares. slow encroachment of celebrities into the podcasting world. That is, Those days are gone. What's slow encroachment? Oh my yeah, I was saying it's, it's far past slow. But it's over? The fact that, po- that indie podcasting is officially over? Is that what you're referencing? No, I meant the the days of the uh, 
the random startup podcast getting like scooped up and turned into viable businesses. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's not happening. No. Yeah. And if it's going to happen to somebody, it'll be somebody who's better at it than us. So. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the MTV Challenge podcast we do is up to like 2,000 downloads an episode, you know? And we were like, man, we could charge $35 a spot now, according to Blueberry. And that means we would have like $150 a month based off this podcast. That's funny, because when... Have you ever heard, like, the theory that if you're, like, in, into art or whatever, you just need, like, a thousand people willing to pay for you to do what you do, and then you can make a living off of it? That's like, yeah. I don't think there's a thousand people paying for any podcast out there. No. Well, <laughs> except for except for ones that I find confusing, like like Dan, uh, Dan uh, not Dan Harmon, uh, Dan Carlin, yeah. like, hardcore history and shit. Because he, he I'll, I'll give him it. He makes great, great shows. I love his shows. He has not put out an episode in months. Months yeah. and months and months and months. But he still gets people donating shit tons of money to him. Well, it's because he got in on the ground floor and he rigged it so people sign up so that they're automatically renewing and it's a relatively small amount. So every month, like a dollar comes off your credit card. And nobody cares, and nobody cuts it off when he doesn't do any podcasts for a long time. True, I, I, I just think it's odd. If, if I was paying, you know, donating to a podcast, and they started putting out an episode once every seven or eight months, probably would stop donating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened with DZ while we were doing our Patreon stuff. This is one of the reasons DZ crumbled is because people were not doing their assigned tasks, so people were not getting their promised posters and shit from our double features like they were supposed to. And they stopped. They just stopped. They're like, yeah, well, I'm not giving you money anymore. It's like, why did you not send that shit out like you were supposed to? I don't know. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, I'm done. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm going to go hang out with Scott and Doug instead. Yeah, because you kind of almost announced like you were retiring from podcasting. Then it took you like four minutes to start showing up on our show. Oh, no. There was like a two-month overlap or something. Was there? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start doing this show too. So then when uh, we did our last show, I'm like, oh, by the way, I can also be found over here for the last two months. So. You can still listen to me for some reason if that's something you want to do. That happened to me by accident when Horror Etc. ended because I was like, the last episode of Horror Etc., like before they started doing just their once a year specials or whatever, it was like me and Anthony. And I was like, don't worry, guys. I'll still be part of Horror Etc. Just because I'm starting something new doesn't mean I won't be here anymore. I haven't been back. (laughs) (laughs) Not because I'm not willing, because there is no show to go back to. And then uh, Noah has to break up with his fiance, and then stops doing all of his podcasts. Yeah, sadness. <laughs> Everything worked out for the better, though. I think. Uh, sounds like it. Yeah. Except you lost a dog in the whole transition. Oh my god, that's still that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my doggy. <laughs> I love that dog. 
Could you go now and just steal them and take them away? I've thought about it. <laughs> I wouldn't go talking about it on air. Dozens of people will know about it. Somebody's yeah. For you, so. None of them in Illinois. Right. The shitty, the shitty thing is, is no matter how sad and awful it is, deep, deep down inside, I'm still genuinely a good person, even though I don't want to be. <laughs> so, so I just couldn't. It's tough for him. It's, de- it's so depressing being like, like being a good person because you like come up with like these plots in your head and you're like, ha that would show those cocksuckers. And then, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, but I wouldn't do that. I'm too nice. Damn it. <laughs> I feel that way. <laughs> this is going to sound stupid. I feel that way when I play video games too. Because, uh, I don't know, I consider myself a good person. Maybe people would disagree. But then I'll start like a video game where it's like, you could be either good or bad. And I'm like, I'm going to be really bad this time. And then I still end up being like good the whole game. <laughs> I just feel bad for like screwing over people yeah. who don't exist in real life. Oh, yeah. Because like, they're like, are you going to sacrifice the girl or have to fight the giant boss? You're like, fight the giant boss. Damn it. <laughs> you guys need a lot of therapy. I know, right? Like, one of us is a parent, so he has to actually take care of a human being that just generally makes you a good person. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> Some terrible people who are raising terrible children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's not too bad. I know some good people who are raising some terrible children. <laughs> All right, now's when you rattle off the names, Noah. Go for it. Go. I also know some shitty people who have relatively good children for some reason, which I'm not. I, I have no idea how it happened because they're shitty parents. Trevor. <laughs> 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 He, he doesn't fucking listen. Watch, I'll get <laughs> fucking angry. Who dare you? We, we get off topic way before we even start the podcast now. Yeah, I don't know. That's because this podcast is basically three friends who mostly like hanging out with each other. <laughs> even if we haven't I, met one of them in person. Just I was going to say, who's the third one? <laughs> <laughs> I said mostly, and two out of three ain't <laughs> Well, I guess we should talk about some movies, probably. Hell yeah. Um, after, after all, people we know are turning into things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, really dis- I'm really disappointed with myself, because we came up with My Mom as a Werewolf. And after thinking about it this week, the it seems like the better movie would have been to team it up with My Stepmom is an Alien. And oh, that's a good point. I completely, completely got off on the wrong, on the wrong movie. Well, we still have uh, My Boyfriend's Back. Yeah. And uh, My Stepmom is an Alien. And I think there's actually, there's still a couple more past that. <laughs> a couple more. <laughs> It's, so, yeah, it's we, my month here. <laughs> what, what, what in the sweet 80s fuck was going on 
where they, in, instead of it Disney being like, what if this thing had emotions? They're like, what if this member of this person's family was this <laughs> random trope? <laughs> I think what in the 80s fuck was going on is going to be a phrase we use a lot this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> which one do we want to tackle first, I guess? Well, you wanted to talk about my mom's a werewolf, so why don't you give us the description of what it's about and uh, then uh, let's see what you did there we can all uh, discuss it pretty clever uh, right yeah so uh my mom is a werewolf i mean if, if you could figure out kind of what what happens in this movie from the title um but i was super excited when the credits came up and i saw john saxon and ruth buzzy in it and i was like yes finally the movie i've been searching for I never knew i wanted i guess <laughs> it's like Ruth Buzzy and John Saxon together at last. Um, so uh, this typical suburban mom feels neglected by her husband. Um, is out and about, stops by a pet store to get a flea collar for their dog, and runs into John Saxon, who is a werewolf, who has a tendency to take his sunglasses off and look look at people longingly to make them do his bidding. Uh, I kept thinking of David Caruso from his CSI uh, show every time. <laughs> it's like he's going to take his glasses off and utter some like one-liner. It's going to be great. But it didn't really happen. Um, so uh, he, at some point, bites her toe during a very awkward... Yeah, the this, the, uh, fetish, the, fe- the fetish sex scene that's in the middle of this film that is yeah. kind of a kids movie. I'm yeah. pretty sure <laughs> she during that she utters the words "oh toe job." <laughs> she said something. I think that's I'm what she says you. right before he bites her. <laughs> during that scene, I mean, we'll get into all the specific details of the movie, but during that scene, I turned my head for a second. I turned back and I watched her and I'm, and it's like a close up on her face for a while. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that in this children's movie, John Saxon is going down on this. chick. <laughs> <laughs> and after like a couple of seconds, it cuts away and he's sucking on her toes. And I'm like, well, that's not better. I don't, that, no. that might be worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's no. so much worse. The John Saxon toe fetish is not good. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, so he like seduces her. She gets her purse stolen. He gets it back for her. Um, and he then uh, talks her into going to lunch or whatever. At which point he seduces her sort of through his werewolfy wiles. Um, using his werewolf powers to get them toes. Yeah. Get them piggies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they end up going to lunch and then, you know, there's some kissing or whatever. And then, uh, I don't know. She gets something that's still on fire. So it's chef person. Do you know what that was? I have no fucking idea because she ordered a salad. Yeah. Yeah, no, she ordered a know. salad and a dessert simultaneously, though. And I believe oh, the, okay. the dessert is what was on fire. I don't know exactly what that's called. but So they brought oh, okay. the dessert before the salad? That's no, the salad, they, they brought them at the same time because she ordered them at the same time. That's not 
It's not on them. It's on, it's on her. Um, so it's on fire, and that freaks John Saxon out. And he runs away and leaves her with this large lunch bill, apparently. <laughs> she was she was utterly shocked by it. So she gets annoyed and goes to confront him at his pet store, which is when he seduces her. Because in the back, apparently, there's just a bunch of weird exotic animals and a bed. That's it for most pet shops. That is his running fuck palace. <laughs> uh, so he bites her toe, and you know what happens when a werewolf bites somebody. Um, but then, like, does this weird spell to make her forget everything? I don't know. I think they seem to have a big problem discerning between werewolf lore and vampire stuff. Yes. Yeah. Where they're like, let's just give this werewolf a few more vampire things. <laughs> It's like a, a secondary theme this week is the fact that both these movies have confusion between the two different lores. <laughs> Empire and Werewolf. Um, so there's also a secondary plot of her oldest daughter who's hanging out with her best friend who's obsessed with horror movies, of course. Um, they do go to a horror convention at the beginning, which I thought was kind of funny. Um and so, they, of course, they get a palm reading from Ruth Buzzy, who is a fortune teller. Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember what she said, but apparently she forecasts some stuff that seems to come true with this whole werewolf phenomenon. She says, do you have a dog? <laughs> I see an animal. I see two animals. <laughs> <laughs> while, uh, while looking into an electric globe from Spencer's Gifts. Yes. <laughs> because that is uh, the real one that predicts the future, not the crystal ball sitting next to it. <laughs> um, so then it comes down to uh, the, the daughter essentially thinks the mom is cheating on her dad. So she's like following her around and, you know, sees this lunch encounter and then is going to watch them maybe have sex through the back window. And she says she, she wants to catch her in the act if she ends up catching her. Which is weird. weird. Like, no, I'm gonna watch my mom have sex. Like, <laughs> what are they doing? He's sucking on her toes. This is awful. <laughs> this is so uh, much worse than them having sex for some reason. Um, and so then, when uh, the mom, you know, goes back home or whatever, she of course starts showing uh, very werewolf-like traits, and uh, that starts sort of coming up in her everyday life or whatever, which seems to culminate on Halloween, surprisingly enough. Um, yeah, then eventually uh, John Saxon essentially tells her he uh, selected her because he wants to um, impregnate her to continue on the lineage of werewolves. Um and there is a uh, werewolf on werewolf fight at the very end. So that's that's what that was, I guess. <laughs> so Noah, what did you think of my mom's a werewolf? Uh, I I think it's thoroughly entertaining. Uh, there's there's a lot of funny jokes and then a lot of unfunny jokes. Uh, the funny stuff being like. At the beginning, the werewolf lady, of course, is a vegetarian because 
how how else are you going to make funny werewolf jokes unless they start off a vegetarian? And the fact that there's at one point in the movie, the husband's completely oblivious to her turning into a werewolf simply because she cooked him prime rib. <laughs> and that that was so glorious and so life-changing that he just refused to pay attention to anything else. Yeah, but there's the foreshadowing scene where she's trying to make him eat something else, and he's, like, seemingly intentionally staying at work late just so he doesn't have to come home and eat her vegetarian shit. Yeah. <laughs> she's very proud of it, and he just does not care. To be fair, it looked like garbage. Yeah, I wouldn't I, have eaten I, that. I, I think I realized I was trying to as I was watching it I was trying to figure out why young me liked this movie so much and I'm pretty sure young me was really really into the best friend character that tracks pretty well <laughs> yeah that makes a lot just because I was I was like a chick who knows all of the the monster magazines by their issue number I will marry her and make her my wife <laughs> Well, did you recognize her from another movie? Uh, she looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. She's the nerdy girl in Friday the 13th Part 7 that nice. then makes herself beautiful, and then Jason you know, tears her face off. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I didn't realize it was her. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. There and I'll tell you one thing that's confusing. There seems to be a big disconnect between the humor through pretty much the entire movie and the humor in the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Did you <laughs> yeah. guys notice that? Where like it goes from a pretty standard eighties shit comedy, which which is what this movie is, and and it serves its purpose as such. To the last fifteen minutes, it's like a fucking Leslie Nielsen movie. <laughs> yeah where all of a sudden you know people are like oh falling down in the background <laughs> you mean where the mom keeps shaving her legs and it keeps growing back and it has a very sort of feel to it See, but I think that that fits with the rest of the movie and like the weird rapist dentist <laughs> oh yeah that's that's weird <laughs> which is super creepy but funny I'll, I'll admit that that whole scenario, because it, it's it's clearly a dentist with a weird tooth fetish. <laughs> there was a lot a lot more fetish stuff in this than I anticipated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I anticipated almost none, given that this is like a PG movie called "My Mom's a Werewolf." I, I just anticipated a lot of like, you know the mom sneaks out at night and she has to like cover up the fact that she killed the neighbor's dog or something. And there'd be some humor in that. Yeah. I didn't see it going the way it went. I just, I, I always think it's funny whenever a movie does something poorly, when there's another movie that does the exact same thing. Well, and, and in this movie, that thing being werewolves is horny. Like this movie <laughs> is, is werewolves is horny done badly. Ginger snaps is werewolves is horny done good. <laughs> oh, on, a, on like a plot, uh, if you follow the plots, they're like very similar films, except it's yeah. the daughter that gets bit in one movie and the mom that gets bit in a different movie. But it's fascinating how different they are considering the plots are almost identical. <laughs> Even with the ending up at the uh, Halloween party at the end. Yeah. Uh, 
So, so is it, like I said, it's an 80s shit comedy. I think it does all the things that I want it to do, and therefore it is entertaining. As a werewolf movie, I think there are a few hallmarks of werewolf movies that kind of, like, hinge the quality of everything on them. One of those being a cool transformation scene. Like, all of the greatest werewolf movies of all time have a really cool transformation scene in them. Yeah. This does not. Well, this has the, you know, again, referencing back to Ginger Snaps, it's the sort of gradual transformation that takes place over the course of like a month rather than the one big change. Mm -hmm. Which I do think some of the stuff works pretty well, even though none of it makes any sense because John Saxon's walking around not looking all werewolfy and the mom doesn't seem to have any she just gradually is, tr- is turning whether she wants to or not but some of the stuff does look pretty cool in a by the, by the standards of like an 80s kids movie you've got her teeth growing in and stuff like that it, it looks good and I, the, I like yeah the, I, I think the makeup on her looks good the actual werewolves at the end are oh. bad horrible bad bad bad. You see, I'm not sure if those were the werewolves fighting or if that was like we assume the two werewolves were off screen hitting at each other with some sort of stuffed animals. Cause that's, and that's the part they focused on because that's what it looked like pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, once like, again, weird, weird fetish guy across the street watching the fight scene. Loving <laughs> More it. weird sex stuff. Until he gets hit and his binoculars end up in his eyes. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is some of the Leslie Nielsen stuff you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it go, it gets real fucking wonky at the end of the movie. I just don't I don't understand why it goes from like zero to like nine thousand at the end with the the stupid and they're not good. You know, none of the humor at that end of the movie, which in which it should be the best, is good. It's all bad. It's pretty funny most of the way through, and then the ending kind of ruins the whole movie. Yeah, I don't know if how funny it is all the way through, though. There are definitely moments that really work, and pretty much everything with John Saxon really works. But a lot of the other stuff is just... The acting is so atrocious in this movie that I think it's... It's like I'm never quite sure if I'm laughing with them or at them. Which is, again, for me, that's a problem. For you, Noah, I know it's not as much of an issue. (laughs) See, I I actually, I I think a lot of the the humor, for the most part, is pretty on point. Like, it's it's funny. It's it's 80s funny, which is a different thing. Yeah. But but it's perfectly 80s funny. If if you can laugh at 80s jokes, I think it's, like I said, it's funny all the way through until the end of the movie. And then all of a sudden, it gets weird like real weird like the end of the movie was shot by a different person well see what i found problematic with the movie was like okay so think about the beginning of scene where they're at the horror convention and there's a couple of like little jokes because there's all these different guys come buying costumes but then there's the scene where she wants to buy fangoria number 12 it is she needs 175 dollars she wants to borrow 175 dollars from her friend these two like 14 year old girls as if i don't carry 175 dollars cash with me but i'm sure you do um but i'm like i have no idea is the joke that she's a nerd who wants to buy this magazine is the joke that people would pay that much for a magazine is the joke that she expects her friend to lend it to her is the joke that anybody would have that kind of cash on them when they're like 
teenage girls. I don't understand what the joke is supposed to be in that scene. I know they want me to be laughing. I'm not quite sure why. And I end up, I, that's like I say, I end up laughing at the movie for failing at its joke, which is not the same thing <laughs> as laughing with the movie for being funny. Um, I don't know. See, like that, I don't, I don't think that was supposed to be a joke. I think that's supposed to be a legit plot point. <laughs> Not not the not the money part, but the fact that she knows Monster Magazine so well that just by flicking her eyes upon the cover, she knows Monster Magazine number twelve and how rare it is, and blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and, and I understand that, that 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 is foreshadowing, and they're setting up that character to know everything that she needs to know later in the movie. But at the, at the same right, I, I think that's supposed to be played for humor. If it's not supposed to be played for humor, then the acting's even worse than I thought. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I said, most of the jokes, the jokes about whenever they go to see the gypsy the first time and she's like, oh yeah, I don't need some, you know, person in a bad wig telling me that I'm going on a cruise with a dark stranger or something like that. And then they go in, of course, you get the foreboding thing. They walk out in the next person who walks in immediately. She's <laughs> like, you are going on a cruise with a dark stranger. <laughs> and works. the guy's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I liked that joke. I also liked the fact that the like the psychic or whatever just kept fucking with everybody. Like first of all, she's charging everybody that comes in a different price. It's Second like, of all, like when up. these girls go to pay, she's like sitting on the one girl's purse so that the other girl has to pay. Just messing with her for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Good old Ruth Buzzy. I did like I liked the bit with the uh, when the mom is almost full werewolf at the Halloween party, and she kind of like flirts with the random high school guy because werewolves be horny. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't have a shirt on, so yeah. yeah, which which leads into the the leg shaving scene, which is I think it it is a little wah wah, but I think it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny because each time it shows her, it's escalating. And the last time she has, like, an electronic turkey carving knife for some reason to shave her leg. It's funny in, like, a Saturday Night Live skit, like, between two commercials when you're, you know, it's not not one of the ones that's going to lead off the show. It's not one of the ones they want you to talk about later, but it's just kind of a funny little moment. Yeah, but I do like the part where he comes to knock on the door to be like, I'm going to get me some of that mom. And then she's like, go away, pervert! She does snap at that guy. <laughs> she just told him to go upstairs for some dessert. Why is he the pervert? Right. <sighs> um. Yeah. Thing. Oh. So I guess, what did you think of it, Doug? I mean, yeah, I, I, I do. I think it was really uneven. There were definitely moments I liked. Um. I, I it's still weird to me how much. I, I, by the way, this is the less sex-filled movie compared to the next one. But it's weird to me how much like fetish sex was going on in this children's movie. I'm glad that I didn't like watch it with a kid because I don't want to have to explain the toe thing to them. <laughs> it, the toe it, thing, the weird uh, whips and chains thing with the next-door neighbor. Yeah. It is weird that they completely uh, skipped out on any type of violence in the movie. Yeah, but we're perfectly okay with ridiculous amounts of fetishized sex stuff. 
it's so it's weird. a weird it's a weird decision. I just don't like. You'd think that they would put in a little bit of violence and and nix all the weird sex stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I would have if I was making this movie. But hey, who am I to tell them how to do it? Yeah. I also noticed there was like a number of scenes in this movie that just felt like instead of having the professional Hollywood crew do this scene, we'll just get some like film students with a little extra time to film this one. Like the one where they're trying to watch the, uh, watch their mom get her toes sucked through the window and the cop comes up and it's like (laughs) that. I don't know who played that cop, but I know he's not a professional actor and it, none of the scene makes any sense. Like the cop like just comes up and starts like threatening these girls for looking in the back window of a pet shop. Why, like I can understand maybe him walking over and saying, "Hey, what's going on around here?" But well, he's like, he's like chasing them off, like they're committing some kind of horrific crime, and it's like I don't know that it's illegal to look in the back window of the shop. It's justifiable in this movie because clearly the entire city is filled with random sex perverts <laughs> and, and two horny teenage girls staring in the back of a pet shop as ill omens in that town. I so hope they weren't horny teenage girls; they were looking at their mom. Once they again, looking, the town at, is filled with sex perverts. <laughs> they were looking at shirtless John Saxon. That's what they were up to. Yeah, that barrel chested with his pants all the way up to under right underneath his nipples. Kudos to him. A lot of people will, if they know they have a movie coming up where they have to do like a shirtless scene, they'll like work out a lot and stuff. Not John Saxon. He's <laughs> obtusely confident in his body. John Saxon is the like progenitor of dad bod. It's like, hey, John, maybe not have your pants up so high? No? All right. I guess we'll we'll go with it. The best thing about that that scene... Best thing about that scene, though, is John Saxon just playing it dead serious, which is how he handles all his scenes in this movie. He's playing; he thinks he's in a horror movie. I think he's just playing it dead serious, and it works so well. He's like legitimately intimidating, even though he's in this ridiculous movie. That like, I would be scared if I ran into John Saxon and he like flashed those teeth and those like red eyes at me. I'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> but somehow it's just it's made its way into this movie where it stands out like like something awful and it's I I think that actually helps the movie a lot because you want werewolves to be a little bit scary even though this is a comedy film. Uh super nice guy if you ever do get a chance to meet him. I'll take it under advisement. Yeah, I've got to meet him twice. I got lucky. And his wife is sort of his manager and she was super nice as well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Does, does anybody have anything they want to talk about with this movie? A movie to try to talk about after you sort of describe how <laughs> the movie works. It's, it's kind of just batty. I mean, it's it's a weird <laughs> movie. I think at the end of the day, for me, it's a recommend. But it's, it's a conditional recommend because it's a recommend for a shitty 80s comedy if that's what you want to watch it, it, I it cannot be considered a horror comedy in any fucking way oh there's a werewolf mm-hmm. in it that's close enough for the way that, for like IMDB and stuff that's I don't, see I, I can't I can't say that I, I think it's it's just a comedy that has a like a, a singular 
it's not even a horror element. It's more like a folklore element. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, although, okay. So there, there is one legitimately like cool thing in the entire fucking movie when she's having the nightmare sequence where he's like mind controlling her while she fucking sleeps for some goddamn weird fucking werewolfy <laughs> reason. Uh, yeah. the, the weird melty face thing. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't it look was cool. It was, it was a... Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it was a great special effect, but it looked cool. Yeah, I liked it. I, For me, that felt like the most horror part of the whole thing, and I... It was probably, probably the best scene I did like I like the whole run of she has the uh the false wake thing which happens in every fucking movie where she thinks she's come out of the nightmare but it's still the nightmare but then she actually wakes up and just insists she's still in the nightmare so she's like walking around the house having conversations with people and just completely refusing to acknowledge that it's reality yeah but then like officially decides it's reality but then still walks out of the house in her her sexy nighttime clothes from the night before because where will be morning yeah for yeah. some reason that really made me laugh and i can't justify why i laughed at that like i'm not <laughs> it's it was like this weird like three's company-esque joke where she just like goes outside and then oops i'm still in my lingerie and it's like <laughs> but you've been walking around in that for 10 minutes <laughs> you didn't forget it's on purpose you're teasing the horny neighbor is what you're doing yeah well, and it, it totally the weather. It, it totally uh re uh I can't think of what the recontextualizes it when at the end you find out that the the neighbor guy who saw her walking around in her <laughs> nighty thing is the weird sex murderer. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody's a weird sex pervert, so you should have been able to figure that out. True. The only one that's not is her husband who just ignores her the whole <laughs> Invites all his friends over for football on the weekends. I did actually, think- actually, I think that he finds out that he's a weird sex pervert because as it turns out, like, so she, she gives him the crazy werewolf sex the first night. But then the second night, whenever she's uh, got the hair growing, she avoids him and he wakes up the next day and he gives her the whole speech of, oh, you know, you... You you drive me up the walls the first night, and then you completely deny me the second night. Oh, you really know how to turn a guy on, and it's like, okay, well, he's into denial. That's that's creepy. He does have his own little fetish going on. That's weird. I forgot about that. Exactly. Is there anybody in this movie that doesn't have a fetish? Uh, I would say the daughter, but she watched her mom getting her toes sucked, so she's out. Oh, the daughter's a weird fucking person. I think she's some sort of like masochist because she also like throws a Halloween party and she's the only one who does not want to be at the Halloween party. She threw that her entire party just to make herself sad. Like everybody else is dancing in costumes and having a good time. She's not wearing a costume. She's like sitting in the corner like she got dragged to the party, but it's at her house. And she's like all upset with everybody for being there. Something weird about a person who would do that to themselves. <laughs> We know, yeah. like her. We know her friend's super into the guy that the mom almost bangs. So she's got her own thing going. Yeah, he's like sitting on a couch, hanging with some girl, and then she just walks over and basically breaks it up, and <laughs> throws whatever food that they were feeding each other in that girl's face. 
It's like, bitch, that's not even your boyfriend. What are you doing? Yeah. She's full on stalker. That's what this movie's really about. Yeah, that's why Noah likes her. He's into that stalker look. <laughs> uh, well, not the so, first time. The strange story. <laughs> I may have in the past had very bad taste in women. <laughs> he's really walking a fine line in case the wrong person listens to this. Oh, oh, there, he's, I, he's told stories on podcasts before. There are more than one that if they showed up at my house tomorrow with a knife, I would not be surprised. Horrified, but not surprised. I always knew this would be the way I would die. Yeah. <laughs> this was the mistake I made. I was 22. It's a bad thing to do. <laughs> she finally found me after all these years. See, Doug, Noah used to tell embarrassing stories about himself on every episode of his podcast. Oh. <laughs> I did. Uh, which is great for me, but I'm just like, man, poor Noah. I'm not a bad person. <laughs> I just played one on TV for 25 years. And by TV, he means the real world. Uh, TV's so that, not real? So yeah, people don't live in there? So, Doug, would you recommend this movie to people? I'm gonna say probably it's like a, a like a really mild no. Uh, it, the movie comes close. It does have good scenes. Um, there's a couple of good performances, but there's a lot of bad performances, and there's a lot of just like like there's a moment where so the dad has his friends over to watch football, and the mom walks in the room, and she comes over and she's like tapping him on the shoulder, and he's like, "Oh, thanks. Did you come to take my beer can away?" And she gets so angry at him, and it's like. He just wants to watch the football game. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm just finally becoming like a settled down family man type. And I'm just like, just let him watch the fucking game. What's the problem? Worked all week. <laughs> so I'm like, and I think it just comes down to the fact that for the most part, like camp is a really, really hard thing to pull off. And this movie swings and it, you know, catches a piece of it, but it, it's not a hit. It's, it's technically a miss the camp doesn't quite work and when camp doesn't work it gets hard to watch and there are definitely times in this movie where you're just sitting there going can we move forward can we just have something else happen besides like move on to the next crazy sex scene that doesn't belong in a pg movie please because (laughs) it's time for that oh 80s you'd be so crazy i can't fucking believe how much sex was in this movie and i'm going to be saying that again when we get to the next movie just so we're <laughs> just to get, to get us ahead here but yeah. it's like this is just easing in this is like this the, the amount of like fetish sex jokes or just random fetish sex scenes that showed up in this movie it makes this not work as a kids movie i would not want to uh to show this to a child because i wouldn't want to have to answer those questions but then as an adult movie, it's like there's a lot of the humor and stuff is just not there. I I think this is this is a movie that is best uh displayed to a like twelve year old. No, I think the twelve year old's gonna understand the foot fetish stuff and then you're gonna be sitting there beside a twelve year old <laughs> knowing that they get it 
And it's just like, I don't want to know that the 12-year-old understands that. No, I meant it's a good age for a person to watch it. I'm not saying it's a good age for you to watch it with that person. <laughs> there is no age that is the right age to watch this movie with your child. <laughs> if you are both, if you're 60 and they're 40 and you watch this together, it's still going to be fucking weird. <laughs> I think you could watch this with almost anybody except for, like, Noah. And you would end up feeling awkward sitting beside them. You're like, did they think like, did they think I'm showing this to them because I find these jokes funny, or do they think I'm showing it to them because I'm trying to pick which of these fetishes to choose for my future endeavors? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine a person. I well, I can't imagine a person, but they're all fuck. I I know some weird people, but there's very few people who I can imagine that I would want like sitting in the room with me while I watch this. I'm glad I watched this one alone in my basement. It's like, this is where I belong. This is where this movie belongs. <laughs> this is where I belong down here in this filthy basement watching this movie. <laughs> well, if you're watching this movie, then yes, that's where you belong. <laughs> uh, what's really funny is Amanda got home for like the last 15 minutes of this movie and was putting like groceries and stuff away. And she just heard the girls like talking when they were trying to come up with a plan i think they were in the garage trying to come up with a plan to go in and break up the werewolf fight that was going on right because that's always a good idea always jump into the middle of a werewolf fight so she couldn't see it but she's like is that is that fred savage i'm like what are you talking about she's like that voice it sounds like fred savage from like wonder years (laughs) i was like you mean the two teenage girls that are talking She's like, oh, I guess. I don't know. I thought they sounded like Fred Savage for some reason. Well, like, that makes sense. It's <laughs> like, that's sort of a weird pull, but okay. I just kind of wish we were still doing Fred Savage movies because those ones oh. are better than this. Savage month. So savage. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend this either. Um, it has its moments, but it's not. Uh, what I would feel is super great. Um, I don't know. I think the jo- John Saxon toe sucking just completely threw me off for the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just, I mean, for the listeners who haven't seen this, we're not exaggerating at all. Like, there is on camera John Saxon shirtless wearing, like, dress pants that come way too high. Like, he's about to retire to Florida kind of high. And he has got a foot in his mouth <laughs> it's not hinted at it's here he is sucking on toes and there's like it cuts away and cuts back so you can see more of john saxon sucking on these toes and i'm not entirely okay with it not i mean do what you want to do in your personal life but this is a peachy comedy film like <laughs> i i will say i enjoyed this movie less than i remember enjoying Well, the good news is I just found a picture of John Saxon toe-sucking, so that's going to be oh, the cover sure. art for the episode. Right. So I hope all of, you, uh, all of you people enjoy. <laughs> I just hope you got the one from this movie and not from one of the all the John Saxon movies where he's always sucking on people's toes. <laughs> it's like a requirement. It's in his contract. Yeah. Like, Look, i got to suck somebody's toes in this. <laughs> I even forgot he's, he's supposed to be a werewolf, like his back's all hairy and shit, too. Yeah, 
It's like weird because it's like, is he that hairy or did they like put hair on him? The whole thing doesn't like it. That's I think that's another they, problem. They made him a back merkin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gross. It does address another problem with this film, though, because like, why do they have some werewolf traits all the time and some only come out at certain times of the month and some they seem to have more control over whether they display that trait or not? And, like why is John Saxon just living a normal life knowing he's a werewolf and he like when he goes to the like restaurant like he's fully prepared to like he brings his own plastic silverware and has a whole story made up of why he can't use the silver from the restaurant but then like a little bit of flame he has to get up and run away it's like don't you plan for that I guess I don't know it, it seems contradictory and maybe I just think about things too much but that's that's how I do I don't know. I don't know. I feel like John Saxon had all his backstory worked out, but then it didn't jive with what they were doing, so it was just like, yeah, fuck it. But John Saxon, just he's just like, I'll play a werewolf in this movie? No problem. And they're like, it's a comedy film. It's for He's like, I, I, I know what I'm doing. You don't need to tell me any more details. Because <laughs> he's not playing... He is not a character from this movie. He is like... His character could be completely transported to like... Uh, one of the howling sequels or something and it'd just be that'd be fine he'd, he'd fit right in but for some reason here he is in this movie and he's the best part of them by far uh, yeah i mean i don't know you don't ever watch a movie and be like oh the movie's great but john saxon was fucking horrible at it. no that's never happened no but normally they put him in movies where, like, the tone of his behavior is consistent with the tone of everybody else in the movie. <laughs> that is, that's one. true. It is like it's hilarious. It's like because the scene, the scene where he meets the mom, like she's looking for a flea collar, and of course it's like the owner of the pet shop is the werewolf, and he the, the, there's like it's supposed to be a joke, right? He's part wolf, so he keeps flea collars behind the counter and he gives her like a whole bunch not just one which i'm not sure if that's supposed to be a joke or if people just who made so we just don't know how flea collars work but <laughs> it's like so dead serious that it's like i'm worried he might actually hurt her in that scene and i'm like <laughs> why why is he doing it so serious nobody else is because he's john saxon man it's what he i guess does. it's fair enough Again, I think it actually ends up working and it makes the film better because he's in those moments he sort of grounds the film and brings it back to like not just being a Leslie Nielsen type comedy. Um, but again, I don't know. Overall, <laughs> it's, it's not enough to save this movie. It is close. It's, this movie isn't terrible. It's just not good either. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, should we move on to my best friend is a vampire? Surely. Well, Doug, why don't you let us know how this movie pans out? That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I think it's plenty fair. All right. So, uh, the movie starts with like a couple of horny teenagers. One of them is a delivery guy for a grocery store. He goes to deliver to this like old creepy mansion. There's a girl in there who's very clearly a vampire. There's no way you could not know that the minute he walks in. Uh, so he ends. She invites him back that night. 
during their uh, sexual encounter, she bites him. It's then broken up by some vampire hunters that arrive on scene. And Played by the awesome David Warner. Yes. <laughs> Peter Vincent. Um, Completely. Yeah. So we forgot to mention all the, the the Friday Night references in the last movie too, but maybe we'll go back and get, cover some of those off. Um, but it, it's very clear when these movies came out, what had come out in the years leading up to them. But uh, so anyways, most of this movie is about this teenage guy who's been bit by this vampire. He is trying to adjust to his new vampire lifestyle, um, which includes having to learn. Which is totally life. not an analog for being gay. <laughs> so much not that they definitely did not put it in the movie. Yeah, yeah so they definitely don't have his parents just you know flat out thinking he's gay and then sighing with relief when they find out he's a vampire instead. Um, but the whole time too, he's also like for some reason a lot of this movie centers around him, like he because he's having these dreams at the beginning of the movie where he's hitting on this girl who's a who goes to school with, but she's replaced by the sexy vampire lady. And then after he gets turned into a vampire, he's like, well, now that I have my vampire powers, I can use them to get the girl from school who I was dreaming about in the first place. <laughs> um, and yeah, the movie plays out with he's trying to figure out his new lifestyle while trying to figure out how to get the girl. But the vampire hunters have mistakenly thought his friend who was waiting in the car for him while he went inside to have sex. Another weird fetish, possibly. Um <laughs> Oh, just doing doing his buddy a salad. Come on, yeah. So they're they're hunting him down. Sometimes you got to wait in the car, Doug. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how you do things in Canada. Uh, yeah. So anyway, naturally, those two storylines come to a head at the end when you get your big uh, chase scene and fight scene, and uh, plays out as it does. But yeah, I mean, plot wise, there's not much to this. It really is about this kid going on this journey of figuring out how to be a vampire. Um, however, it's done in this like brilliantly campy, cheesy way with some of the best bad jokes I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> Such as the kid, my favorite, probably my favorite moment, in a, maybe my favorite moment in any movie we've done on this podcast so far, is when he goes to shave. He's like, the mirror doesn't work. <laughs> so then he goes and checks a different mirror and he goes, oh, nothing in this house works. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I kind of feel guilty about laughing as hard as I did, but I had to like pause the movie to get past that joke. Just, just genius. And I think nice. this movie it nails what camp does best, which is I think like a kid watching this would find that joke hilarious. And as an adult, it's like, I know that it's bad on purpose. So I can also laugh at it on that level. And that's where, that's where camp is at its finest is when it can be legitimately funny to somebody who's uninformed because they're younger or whatever. And then funny on it on a different level to uh, someone who's slightly more intelligent. Basically, me and Doug both find it funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be more polite about it than that. I'll let I'll let you guys decide who's the intelligent one. <laughs> uh, so Noah, what did you think of this movie? So, so the exact opposite of my mom's a werewolf. I remember this movie being okay. 
but but I wasn't particularly into it. And now on the rewatch, I really fucking like this movie. <laughs> it's it's funny, and it's uh, it's kind of like a, a solid buddy movie, and it's an okay coming of age story, kind of in its own way. Uh, little <laughs> little bit in insensitive to the uh, the the uh, homosexual crowd. Because it was made in the eighties. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, but on the other hand, if we do take it, and I think we all sort of notice that this is sort of an allegory for him being gay, his parents do at the end come around and say, like, "Hey, like they do refer to being gay as being like his problem," but they are very supportive and they want to, and they're not going to turn their back on their gay son. Which for a nineteen eighty-eight or eighty-nine film, whatever year this was, that's. Mm. That's pretty advanced to have that in a like a kid friendly movie. That sort of yeah, I was going to say they do, they are pretty they are pretty good about it, where they do yeah. tell him just to be himself and not you know, I'll try so, to hide yeah, it or whatever. Yeah, some of the jokes might be considered inappropriate by today's standards, and some of the like the terminology and stuff that's used would not be seen as positive. But the message is one of acceptance. And whether that's about being gay or about anything else, it really is about, okay, so here's this kid who's going through something weird, who's, you know, turning into something else, and you can interpret that however you want, but his friends and family all become very supportive of him as they become more aware of what's going on. I think it's actually kind of a nice message. Yeah. I'd accept that. I agree. Uh, The the humor is done, obviously, way better than... My mom's a werewolf. Way better. Way, way better. Uh, I would even say, uh, while a few joke, uh, a few jokes do fall pretty flat for me, like the uh, the Bloodweiser jokes. <laughs> Loved not, it. See, Loved I did. It. That one Just was not bloods funny. for you. Yeah, yep. no, 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 no. That wasn't funny, but I'll tell you what was really funny. Whatever he's like putting it into the the mini fridge, and the fact that there's blood light. That <laughs> just the awesome. fact that he kept a variety of blood on hand was funny to me. Yeah, I love the fact that there was like he had like different like different bottles of blood. Yeah, I really liked the whenever he goes. You know, the first time he has to go to the store that sells the blood to buy it, he's all awkward and just like gets a styrofoam container of generic blood. And the last time it shows him there, he's looking through their blood selections, and they've got it in wine bottles. And the one he's showing is called Chateau de Swine. I do love the butcher scene. That was totally set up like an '80s movie where they have to go buy condoms. Yeah, where he's basically ordering like twenty different things, and then at the last minute, it's like and uh, pig's blood. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, Some pig's blood. Well, because even the line is dropped. The butcher looks and goes, first time, eh, kid?" Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd never seen this before, so I actually ended up really enjoying this movie. Yeah, I would say the the, <laughs> the closest I I have to like a, a movie that can be a very direct comparison is Once Bitten with uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna bring that up. This seemed like this was a trope, like in the eighties, like 
get some sort of nerdy kid, have him get bit by a sexy vampire, and then hilarity ensues. Like there's like five movies with that with that uh plot. Yeah, I like, even right thought the, the the interesting thing is uh uh the name slipping my I know his middle name is Sean. What's the what's the main character's name in this movie? Uh I forget. House's House's best friend on House. <laughs> oh, that is that him. Is. Yeah, I knew he looked familiar, but I've never really watched House either. But I remember like seeing him in passing. Yeah, he's 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 been in a few things. He's a really good actor. Yeah. But uh, him him and Jim Carrey, it, and it's partially because of the makeup because it was the eighties and everything was done generically the same all the time. So like they did the dark blush to make their cheeks look sallow and stuff, but physically they resemble each other. Young, young him and young Jim Carrey. They look nothing alike now, but yeah. Uh, Robert Sean Leonard. Yeah. Robert Sean. Thank you. Who's also a dead poet society. Yeah. But, uh, uh yeah. Yeah, and I think that the acting, the acting was uh, as solid as it needs to be for an you know eighties nineties comedy kind of situation, mm-hmm. which is which is fine. Like I said, the humor's on point. I think the story's good. I most of the characters are likable, even the bad guys, which that's always a plus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things I like is so it has sort of the love story in the, in the as well but it just like jumps fast forwards all the way to the end rather than stretching it out like over through the entire movie yeah the will they will well it's that and also like apparently a cheerleader has a crush on him but he's really not interested and was really interested in with the weird girl in in school who's not that weird and who's not really that weird but they try to make her a little weird could that girl yeah. be more of a stand-in for Molly Ringwald if they fucking no, tried? I know. I know. I was looking at pictures of her before. Like, just I typed her name into Google to see what other pictures would show up, and she, she looks nothing like Molly Ringwald outside no, of that movie. She doesn't. So yeah. they were trying so hard to, to make her Molly Ringwald in that movie. That's funny because yeah, she's. I mean, I just. I assume that's what a lot of girls look like in the eighties because my memory of the eighties is predominantly through film. There was yeah, there was a lot more uh, Jessies from Saved by the Bell than there were Molly Ringwalds, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but yeah, so I like that that they just skipped the whole like well. I like the cheerleader, but then at the end, I learned that this other weirder girl is uh, the one I really should be going after. Which, again, not really that weird, but I don't know. They turn her into a band geek or whatever and try to make her the weird girl for some reason. Did, did you guys find the scene weird when, the, when they were out on their first date? And like the, the sort of the joke is that they order a pizza with everything and it comes with garlic and he can't eat it. <laughs> like, which was actually mildly funny um, probably played out longer than it needed to but the half their conversation is just them saying you know my friends don't want me to date you because they say you're ugly and she's like well, yeah my friends think you're ugly too you're a fucking loser and it's like they just go through all <laughs> these things and it's like, I don't know I maybe don't 
say that to them on your first date. That felt really weird to me. And I'm like, I don't know why they're continuing to have this conversation. Uh, like if I sat down to dinner with somebody, was... they were just like, I actually thought it was kind of funny because they were on a date and trying to talk each other into out of dating each other. Like, but they were doing it like smiling the whole time, which I thought was kind of funny. It's like, well, my friend thinks you're a weirdo. My friend it, says you don't have big enough boobs. Is is this film uh, post Beetlejuice? What year was Beetlejuice? I think this 87? is 87. So, uh, Let's see. And this was what, 88? Beetlejuice was 88, and this was 87. So this was before Beetlejuice, because I was getting ready to say, I was assuming through the whole movie that they stole the whole read the damn book thing from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Maybe Beetlejuice stole it from this movie. Uh, They may have. They nicked it. I really, I really thought that was a good running joke that the teenager just wouldn't do his homework. <laughs> and they keep telling him, like, if you, if you read this, you can learn how to, like, put spells on people and shit. And he's like, ah, I'll get to it. He just keeps tossing the book aside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we should mention that he has sort of a vampire mentor who shows up after he becomes a vampire. Yeah. I was <laughs> trying to tell him. Which is Odo from Star Trek. Yes. Um... <laughs> Which uh, they make a distinction that the the type of vampires they are are living vampires. So stuff like sunlight and stuff they can still go out in sunlight, blood, but they're not um, they're not they're not undead vampires where all that stuff applies more. Which I thought was nice that they sort of made a distinction between that. Well, yeah, they they made a. They gave you enough dialogue to justify, like, okay, you're going to be stuck with the parts of being a vampire that you're you only suffer from the parts that are plot convenient, right? Like, it's anything exactly, that yeah. anything that would make it hard for for us to write around, we're just going to skip that. But they gave you enough dialogue to go, yeah, there's different kinds of vampires. And you're this kind over here, so whatever complaint you have about this not following vampire lore, well, they covered that off, basically. Yeah. And then um, I think we had mentioned before they tried to um, sort of set up like because we have the vampire hunters, David Warner and his, uh, I don't know, Ned Beatty from the Superman movies (laughs) uh, sidekick. That's perfect. Um, (laughs) uh, So it's them going around chasing his best friend and they come up with like all these ways to kill like a vampire, like all this stuff that seems to matter. Um. But they, it's just like, well, yeah, but none of that stuff really works because they have like silver bullets and shit. And it's like, well, that's obviously werewolves. And then it comes back to like uh, when they do confront them, of course, the the our main, the main character is kind of freaked out because he doesn't want to get shot with silver bullets. But then his his like mentor is like, oh, yeah, the mentor's name is Modoc. Modoc. He's like, that come on! If you name. if if you would have read the book, that's for werewolves. That doesn't affect you. And, and I love the audience is sitting there questioning it, and you're like, but that's werewolves. And it's like, no, no, we know. He just stupid hasn't read the book yet. I just I love the fact too that that a bunch of times these uh, the vampire hunters are basically attempting to murder someone in public. 
Yeah. Yes. Like they're they're in the nightclub shooting their state crossbow at somebody in a nightclub. <laughs> and the worst thing that happens is that they get thrown out for damaging a speaker. Uh well David Warner sees the bu- sees the bouncer coming and he's like, Here, I'll be right back, hold this. And then purposely leaves <laughs> and let, lets his sidekick. I loved it. But it's weird to me that the, the bouncer is like, Well, this guy damaged something, so we gotta throw him out. So we're going to throw him through a window to damage more of the club. Yeah. I love I love the visual, too, of, like, poor man's Ned Beatty comes flying out through the fucking glass. <laughs> and the David Warner in his, like, full Peter Vincent outfit just comes strolling out the door right beside it. <laughs> and he's like, let's go. <laughs> I found those two really enjoyable to watch. And I loved how they were always, like, chasing like the vampires or what they think is the vampire around and every time they like finally catch up to him they panic and run off and they're scared to death <laughs> like shit we didn't know he was gonna find us <laughs> and, like we haven't discussed like the best friend the guy who they think is the vampire he's like well first of all he's the poor man skippy hamilton yes and, uh, he's exactly he's also creepily i pointed this out to Shar while we were watching it young harvey weinstein is what the fuck he looks like and talks like through the whole movie, and he does get he does like go on and on about how he wants to sleep with all these women, and at one point he gets bitch slapped by a chick, and he's like, "Just make sure if you're sleeping with them, they don't go to this school." Like that's his whole response to that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, look look at a picture of Harvey Weinstein, and look at a picture of that kid from the movie, and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was just trying to make a Skippy Hamilton reference. It was so much more fun when I was doing that. Why do you got to bring the Weinstein thing into it? Um, the funny thing is, when he first walked in, I was like, oh, I didn't know Skippy was in this. And I was too. like, oh, no, it's not. It, it took me, like, until, like, he started acting cool, and I realized, like, Skippy doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, they're chasing the best friend around, and and I love that the best friend just will like show up with a baseball bat and just be like, "Why the fuck are you following me?" And they like freak out and start running away. I love that moment where he take where he like he's like he has no idea why they ran away from him, but he then he's like must be because I was carrying this bat, and he gives it like the little blow off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like basically the equivalent to Luke's brushing his shoulder in Last Jedi. <laughs> I do I do find one of the interesting things. So in the big car chase scene toward the end of the movie. Uh, the, they lead the police on a pretty devastating chase through the city where a lot of cars get wrecked and clearly a lot of people get injured. Oh, yeah. And, and at the end, after the cars like wreck and stuck and they get out of the car, those two police officers are so calm. Yep. They walk up and they're like, let's get you an ambulance. You guys are probably hurt. And it's like, what the? No, they just fucking like drove through the city at 80 miles an hour. Like, no, Wrecking uh, cars and shit. No, uh, I know we didn't say this in our plot description. I thought it would be obvious from watching the movie, but they're actually both white people. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a vampire. He's extra white. He's extra white. He's extra white. And he's getting away with anything. I just, I feel like those cops would have been like, you're under arrest. <laughs> and not, let's get you an ambulance. I, I The movie really got me good with the one joke where they, um, they're like, oh my god, there's vampire hunters after us, and the cops are like, oh, we got another vampire hunter on our hands. Quick, you get in the car, and he gets in, and I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking they're doing like a 
conspiracy thing where the whole town really knows that there are vampires and, and then it's like no that was just tricking him into getting in the cop car and then he just locks him in <laughs> it totally got me too i was like yeah. wait this is a known thing and then well, yeah the thing is so much of this movie is directly influenced uh, like or it influences buffy the vampire slayer and you can see it like a lot with the way that the the characters behave and stuff i felt mm. and some of the lore about the vampires and the drink the pig's blood buying buying from the butcher and all that stuff so i started like i'm drawing that connection in my head and then i'm thinking this is like in buffy where the town did definitely like all the cops and the mayor and everything knew that there was all this supernatural stuff going on and kept covering it up and so i'm ready for that plot line because i think that's going to be funny and then no it's just a joke <laughs> it's oh i i I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> then, of course, you get the girlfriend goes full on hero where she steals the cop car with him in it. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. You can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> did anybody find her parents weird? Yeah. Like when he goes to pick her up for the date, and then, like, the dad's there, and he's all. So I don't know if that's supposed to be that she they consider her so weird that they're just shocked that she's going on a date so they're acting crazy the crazy guy and kathy bates or yeah. like what's going on so i thought i thought since she was they were acting so weird we were going to find out by the end of the movie that there was something up with her like she was a werewolf or something that's what i was uh, sort of anticipating as well yeah uh, but then that kind of goes nowhere bizarre other connection to weird skinny kathy bates yes is uh the lady who plays uh, the main character's mom. That is, oh, what's her name? Is it Laurie Flag? I think is her name. She's she's Fanny actually the, Fanny Flag. Fanny Flag. That's that's. She is the author of Fried Green Tomatoes. Yes, I read that and I was like, that's weird. That is weird. <laughs> oh well, I guess you're allowed to have two careers. Skinny yeah. Skinny Kathy Bates really fucked me up. I was like, oh yeah. She wasn't always just Kathy Bates. <laughs> there was a point when she was like a normal person. Uh, so that scene did make me laugh. Uh, because, okay, the parents are acting all weird. Like I said, I assumed there was going to be something like the girl's a werewolf. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's why her parents are so weird or whatever. Yeah. Um, but so they're making them stand there. They're taking like 50 pictures of them with a Polaroid camera. I assume again now because it's just they're so happy that their daughter's going on a date. Um, and then they kind of run out of there. They're like, oh, fucking parents. Exactly how teenagers would react if you did that to them. Yeah. But then they cut back to the parents later and they like are looking at the Polaroid. And of course, he doesn't show up in them because he's a vampire. And there's That's a call. Like, Look at this. And then uh, I just love the dad's reaction because his acting. I mean, it's nothing special. It's just he's acting weird or whatever. But he has, like, the most, like, <laughs> the most, like, realistic reaction. He just looks at the Polaroid. And he's just like, he's junk. Like, so pissed off. <laughs> this Polaroid, I guess, somehow is a piece of junk and doesn't take pictures of someone when they're standing in the frame. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a callback to the mirror joke. Though. Yeah. Well, there's three callbacks to the mirror joke, too, because whenever he tries to, like, convince his best friend that he's a vampire he walks in the bathroom points him at the mirror and then walks in front of him and he's like look i'm not in the mirror and the guy's like 
That's a magic trick. David Copperfield <laughs> does that. <laughs> he, does, he goes to, he's like, David Copperfield does it all the time. I saw him make this Statue of Liberty disappear. It's like, yeah, but not in your friend's bathroom. Like, there's a lot more to it than that. I just like the fact that they took they took the thing that normally in vampire movies is the sure thing. Like everyone's convinced you're a vampire the second they look in the mirror and you're not there because there's no explanation for that. Yeah. And it basically just wrote it off multiple times over and over and over and over. <laughs> they were having a lot of fun with that. And I was having a lot of fun watching it, so Doug's right too, the this mirror doesn't work was one of the funniest fucking things I may, have, I, I may have ever seen in my life. That, I'm like, I snorted. That joke was really fucking funny. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you want to say? Uh, I recommend. Uh, yeah, definitely for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was, this was, I, I hadn't seen this movie before. I'd only ever seen the one scene where the guy is telling him he's a vampire and somehow like even one of the former presidents was a vampire and he's like very proud of that fact that's the only part of this movie i'd ever seen before and so to sit yeah, down but and that, watch but then jeremy stands up and he's like which one he's like you're missing the point I'm, and i'm sitting there like oh, i want to know which one too well part of me it was like does that mean he's full of shit no president was a vampire it's just like lying i can't couldn't figure it out well, I assume the kid was going to ask if it was Nixon, and they'd be like, uh, "Surprisingly, no." But did we did we mention the name of the the book that they gave him? Oh no! Oh, just it. just for because we were talking about the that just how over the top the gay analogs are throughout this movie, yeah. and the name of the book is like, "So now you're a vampire, a guide to an alternate lifestyle." <laughs> 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 perfect uh, yeah yeah that's funny yeah they keep the, the big joke is so the dude just shows up in that guy's bedroom and then uh he's talking to him like i can't be a vampire you know doing that whole spiel and then the mom comes in she's like what's going on i thought i heard somebody he's like oh no it was, it was the radio see him talking to the guy in the bmw and then get in the car with them and drive off to school apparently and so they're suddenly starting to put all this stuff together. And it's just like, I think our son's gay. And apparently dating an older man that we know nothing about. That, they never questioned that, eh? Because it's no. not like the guy's two years older than him. It's like a 16-year-old and a 45-year-old. And the parents are like, I can't believe he's gay. They never bring up the fact that he's dating a 45-year-old. Well, I, I think, unfortunately, that's another 80s callback thing where there used to be this assumption that every gay kid had this older man gay mentor that that gave them up <laughs> gave yeah. them up I, it was yeah. the 80s that's yeah. like I'm not I'm not making this stuff no, up. No, no, I know no no I but, yeah I, I think you're probably right yeah and I I'm pretty sure once again it was like a direct throw to that they were like he's got this older like well presented well dressed Male taking BMW. Yeah, and and once again, is the second he uh, accepts that he's a vampire, he starts dressing nicer, (laughs) giving his hair better. You know what I mean? But that's an '80s trope too. Like everything, Christine or whatever else is just once you go evil, you suddenly are cooler. 
for some reason. <laughs> Although uh, I just just to defend the '80s here for a second, I'm suddenly realizing that, like in American Beauty, when the Chris Cooper character thought that his son was sleeping with the neighbor. It was only the gay part that bugged him, too. It had nothing to do with the fact that one's a teenager and one's an adult. And that was, like, what, 2001 or 2002? That was still, like, in that movie, it was still just... So apparently that's just how people think about gay people. I never noticed it before. Yeah, no idea. Huh. I'm learning something about bigots today. <laughs> I'm learning something about the way bigots see gays. <laughs> 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 the more you know. <laughs> oh God, we need a like, we need a bumper for something like that. Be like, how assholes see the world. <laughs> uh, oh God, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so Sad. good, and like I had no idea what I was getting into. Like, both no. of these movies were just complete blind spots to me, and you guys suggested them. And I'm like, with titles like that, I gotta say yes. <laughs> and this one really hit the mark. It just it nailed it. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like even it has um, like all of the you know, like we said, the insert member of the family becomes insert whatever monster you want in the plot yeah but it also does have sort of that nostalgic like 80s like sort of love story like i mentioned before yeah. and then like the buddy like hanging out sort of aspect to it and i feel like it just hits like all those good like 80s sweet spots that it really works and then you throw in like horror comedy stuff on top of it it just makes it like that much better yeah and, and I just, I feel like these filmmakers, who I don't really know anything else they've done, but it's like, I feel like they knew what they were doing when they made this movie. So whenever a joke, like, is bad, I feel like it's intentionally bad. I'm never worried that they're that they're trying to make a good joke and that they're failing. And even towards the end, there's like, it gets really ridiculous with the cop, car, cop chase and everything. And then, yeah. like, as the characters are like, so there's the big climax where a bunch of other vampires show up and take care of the... Uh, the David Warner character, and it's like okay, and then they're all just like walking off, turn him they, into they, a vampire. They just make him into a vampire, and they're like, "Well, you can come hang out with us now if you want." And he's like, "All right," and then they just leave. They just leave Ned Beatty just standing there, and he's like, "What the fuck do I do?" But like, I feel like all that stuff, and like this, the the fact that like when those guys are driving around in the van, and it's like this really conspicuous van, but they just keep trying to hide by parking like across the street, and it's like it's the most obvious van in history. And the fact that like when at the end, when 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 everything's done, and like these people are just walking off into the sunset, like it's a happy ending, and no one's addressing the fact that the cops were just chasing you like five minutes ago. I feel like all that's intentional. They knew what they were doing. It's all part of the joke. And none of it is like, none of it is just them not understanding how the world works and not understanding how to make a, a good movie that makes sense. It's all, I don't know, again, intentional, I guess is the best word for it. Yeah. What's, what's the best friend say? Because like everything wraps up and twice he says something like, oh, come on. Or, oh, how nice. Or like something. Yeah. He's basically pointing out, like, oh, this shit's, like, wrapping up way better than it should. Like, his parents, yeah. his parents are okay with, you know, him, I guess, being a vampire or whatever. And it's like, oh, come on. And then the girlfriend's okay with it. It's like, oh, come on. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, even like the fact that the girlfriend's still there because in the middle of their date, like he ditched her and left her standing on the side of the road. And the only reason she didn't have to like walk home is because her friend happened to be making out in the car next to them. <laughs> like it's, but it all feels like, I don't know, it just feels okay in this movie. Cause that's not that different from the scene in the last movie where John Saxon sees like a little bit of fire and has to get up and like run away and go all the way home. <laughs> Can't yeah. even just like go across the room. He has to go all the way home. And she like, <laughs> goes back to him and I'm like it seemed dumb in that movie but it doesn't seem dumb in this movie I'm not really sure why that is yeah I don't know and again like it's I think too like I think this movie is made for an older audience despite the fact that it has a like a a kid friendly tone to it Mm -hmm. I think that they know they're making it for an older audience so when there is like the weird sex stuff it doesn't seem as out of place yeah yeah, it seems like it's intended for the same age that the actual characters are in the movie. Yeah. So and, it feels natural rather than feeling awkward. Yeah. So This movie was awesome. That's what we're all trying to say, right? Yeah. And I'm disappointed because it's not on uh, uh, a good format. I mean, there's like a DVD of it, apparently, but it looks like it's pretty shitty DVD. Yeah. Like Scream Factory should pick up and do a re-release or don't you like get Scream Scream Factory stock mailed to you now along with all the DVDs you buy or Blu-rays you buy from them? I so should. Shouldn't you get a vote in what they do next? <laughs> yeah, it just seems like this movie would be primed for for getting a, a new like Blu-ray or something put out with a bunch of you know retrospective interviews and like all that stuff. Oh, it yeah. Seems like it'd be a fun movie to look back on. Yeah, especially since a couple of the actors like have gone on to do other things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, yeah, at least a few of them are now relatively well known, and you're just like, well, that'd be interesting to see what they think about this movie. Maybe they're totally Jennifer Aniston and just refusing to acknowledge it. So possible. Son of a bitch. I'd like to look up and see if this one flopped or not, because I bet it's one of those weird things where this movie came out and it just didn't do well. I, I don't said, know what the budget of this movie, but the box office was one hundred seventy-four thousand three hundred and some dollars. That's not a good sign. I'm guessing the budget was bigger than that. Even on, in 80s, that's bad. Well, on IMDb, that just says it's just opening weekend oh. in 1988. Well, so, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what that. A lot. So. It, Again, just because I happen to have the Wikipedia page open, it it, it did open in uh, Germany, well, West Germany, because this was pre the wall falling, falling, and in the United States, it opened in Germany first. That's weird. Oh, it's irrelevant, but it's weird. Yeah, especially in the eighties. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, solid, and I arguably, I would say this is a better movie than Once Bitten. I would tend to agree. I have not seen. I haven't seen Once Bitten in a while, so yeah. I've never and seen and I really, I really like Once Bitten, so that's not that's not me dogging on that movie. Um, so take Once Bitten, Doug, or take this movie, yeah, and just make it so the main character is a virgin, and the lady vampire has to uh, turn him into a vampire by a certain time, so he'll become a full vampire, and basically it's like the same thing. All right. That makes me want to watch Once Bitten. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not bad from what I remember. The 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 ending is unsurprising, but pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I may have to look that up now, too. Yeah, we might, might just want to work that one. Add that to the list. <laughs> it would have been a perfect team up with this from the sounds of things. And actually, um, while we were discussing this, I thought of another movie that we need to do. So... Well, we could do uh, Once Bitten and Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's a dangerous door to doing Nicolas Cage movies. You do not have to talk me into that fucking <laughs> train wreck. So I've never seen Vampire's Kiss, so. Holy shit. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, no more uh, listener feedback this episode. Letting us down. Why do we ever even check? I don't know. Did you check the spam folder? So I have not checked the spam folder. Maybe I should. Do oh, that. so only Eric is responding to us now. It's possible. Um, let's see. Do a live check on air. It'll be fun. Yeah, Probably since not. our but since our friend Eric is the only one who ends up in the spam folder for some reason. Uh, somebody named Windu Nuella. Uh, has let us know your compensation payment from the United Nations is here. Oh, sweet. Finally! Yeah. <sighs> they, it's so important they emailed us twice. Well, I'm waiting for that compensation payment. Uh, and then someone named GA, uh, congratulations, we happily announced to you the draw of Google, Microsoft, American Multinational Corporation in conjunction with Microsoft Windows Online sweepstakes uh, promotion. That sentence completely made sense. And that our email addresses won $3 million. Our, our email address won, not us, yeah. just the email address. Yep. So, it is it entered itself. It's become sentient. Kill it. <laughs> yeah, this is to inform you that this email address has won prize money of $3 million. Now, do you think that three. they know that there's three hosts on this show and therefore a million dollars a piece? I think so. I think this is our buyout. This guy's going to start making us review different movies, but I mean, a million dollars is bucks a piece. Work, uh, filling out the paperwork. We thank yeah, you for your patronage. We thank you for your patronage all past years by using the internet. Oh yeah. This is how we are for listener feedback. Is that we're just going to read all the spam now? No, uh, I just think it's hilarious. I was looking at the horrible grammar in it. Um, That's great. Right. It's no listener mail, but uh, did you guys watch anything since the last time we met? Oh, I bet bit. no, we did. Yeah, uh, I've started a rewatch through uh, all of Star Trek: The Original Series because, yeah, <laughs> like like Star Trek. Actually, of all the things you do, that seems like one of the most normal, so I think we'll just let that one go. <laughs> what things do I do that are abnormal? Uh, let's just, why don't you just keep going with your list, and I'll let you know when we get there. Okay. 
Are you making? Are you making the girlfriend watch uh, Star Trek? Is she tricky already? Uh, no, she's watched a couple episodes with me, but she she did watch the very first episode with me. With me, which was the uh, the pilot episode, which the entire cast is different, with the exception of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, <laughs> and so she was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you helped explain that before she sat down to watch it, because that's just mean. I did. I did explain it once she asked the question. She was like, "Isn't it William Shatner?" And I was like, "Yes, this is this is Commander Pike." This is when I had pushed his glasses up on his nose. Yeah, and then I had to sit there and go through the entire twenty-minute story of why everyone was recast and why the tone of the show changes and. And all that. So, so then getting back to Doug's point, <laughs> I uh, I decided that I wanted to rewatch the the second Dungeons and Dragons movie, the one that was the made for TV for sci fi. Oh, why'd you do that? Because it's actually it's not bad. the The second one. Mm. So, yeah. because I wanted to watch that, I decided uh, you're you're a stupid piece of shit. Why don't you go ahead and rewatch that, the other one that you don't like? And so I was like, yeah, you know what, me? You, you drive a good point, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> so then I ended up watching all three movies. <laughs> because I think, I, I, I legitimately think I have a problem. I cannot watch a single movie in a series and not rewatch the fucking series. <laughs> I think you need to talk to somebody about your problem. Yeah, I'm just saying. I've got, I've got a box set of both uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and every time I want to watch one of them, I watch all of them. It's like a three week process. <laughs> yeah. See, it makes sense when most of the movies in the series are good. It's where you sit here and you say, I know this movie's not good, but I have to watch it as part of my... I'm just giving you some advice on what to tell your therapist. I don't have a solution for you. <laughs> that therapist knows nothing. <laughs> but, so, it, it was as I remember. The first movie is really bad. Uh, the second movie, if you're really into Dungeons & Dragons, is pretty good. But if you're not into Dungeons & Dragons, it's really bad. <laughs> And the third movie is uh, okay, but if you're really into Dungeons and Dragons, it kind of pisses you off because it's basically a campaign written by somebody who plays douchebaggy Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> which is a weird thing. And once again, if you don't play the game, nobody would fucking understand what the fuck I was talking about. So I'm not going to go into the details. <laughs> If you want to have conversations about the many editions of Dungeons and Dragons, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. <laughs> you don't want to go to Noah directly for that conversation. Right. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, RPG PDFs. I may have a half of a full terabyte of Lord. RPG PDFs. That seems unhealthy. It is. <laughs> See, that's one of the things, like, I kind of want to be interested in Dungeons and Dragons, but then you say that, and I'm like, yeah, I ain't got that kind of time to commit to that. Well, here's the thing, especially with RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons is its own fucking thing. Like, it's, it 
kind of over to the side, and depending on how deep delve you want to get into the nerdy abyss that is RPG games, there's an addition for you. Like, if you don't like RPG games at all, you can play 4th edition. If you like them a little bit, you can play 5th edition. Or if you want your soul sucked out of your body and fall into the pit, like the... The, what what did they call it in Get Out? It's like the, the sunken place. Yes. Where where you start reading the book and the next thing you know, you're looking up through the book pages, screaming at the sun to let you back out. That, that would be second edition, which is my favorite. But there's a million other games that are less complicated to learn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they all seem very complicated to me. Yeah. I, 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 just play, like if I, I just play Skyrim. Like I said, some of them are stupidly uncomplicated. One of my favorite ones is called Feng Shui, which uh, the entire joke is that you're basically, as you play the RPG, you're filming a 1970s kung fu movie. Mm -hmm. And all all the dice rolls are the exact same, and they're all really easy to understand. Like... So there's basically only one roll. You just go, I'm going to kick that guy in the face. And you roll the dice. And then somebody else says, I'm going to gun-fu run across the top of these people's heads, dive through the window, and shoot 20 people. Same dice roll. Just slightly different. Sounds like uh, bell-bottoms and badasses. Uh, yeah, it, it's basically the exact same game. That's mm-hmm. just black exploitation, and this is the kung-fu version. Yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, I have, no, I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> like I said, nerdy, nerdy abyss. We'll we'll get away from that now, because because <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody sitting here listening to this and going, "Oh, this is just sad." <laughs> Don't talk about your girlfriend. Get the next room. Oh yeah. Oh, she does the same thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, did you watch anything else? Uh, I did. What's what the fuck is the name of that shitty movie? Uh, what's the Alyssa Milano vampire movie? Oh, Embrace of the Vampire. Embrace the yeah. Vampire. Yeah, so oh. I watched Embrace of the Vampire because it, it popped up on the recommended list because no. I was watching vampire movies. No, we did that on last horrorcast and we regretted it. Yeah, it did not hold up well. That sex scene's pretty good. Yeah, but you can watch that there's, on YouTube. But there's like a whole bad movie around it. Yeah, <laughs> you really gotta get in there to get to that good sex scene. And it really is like that's the kind of thing where I guess back in like the '80s and early part of the '90s, you could sell a movie on one good sex scene with a famous actress. And now it's just like it's not anywhere near worth it. The internet has destroyed that subgenre of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, and then because I watched a uh, a bad vampire movie, I was like, I should watch another bad vampire movie. <laughs> so I watched a vampire in Brooklyn, which is the Eddie Murphy, <laughs> Wes Craven movie. Uh, yeah, it's. I'll tell you what, it's it's not as bad as I remember it being, and yet somehow it is so much worse than I remember it being. So I've never actually seen it. It's one of the Wes Craven movies I've not ventured into. For it being a Wes Craven movie, it is impressively not up to par. <laughs> uh, and so I watched that, and then I was like, you know what? I should watch another bad vampire movie. 
Jesus. But maybe one that has a better purpose to it. So it's like, I'll watch some Hammer Vampire stuff. <laughs> and so I watched uh, uh, Satanic Rites. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was fun. Yeah, that one's which, not good. Which one is Satanic Rites? Uh, it's the one with uh, uh, Peter Cushing in it. That doesn't help. <laughs> That's the opposite of helpful. You son of a bitch. You made it more complicated. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's Satanic Rites of Dracula. It's really bad, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I know. It's the one that was set during present day at the time. Yeah. yeah. And Peter Cushing okay. is like a relative of Van Helsing yeah. or something. And at the end, uh, Christopher Lee gets defeated by a rosebush when he wanders into it. But I'm pretty sure you're still not necessarily narrowing it down enough because <laughs> because AD 1972 was also <laughs> present day and was also Peter Cushing was a relative of those, those are rose bushes. Because <laughs> I really like AD 1972. I think it's like probably the best Hammer film there is. Uh. And then I was like, man, I'm all bad vampired out. I should watch a good vampire movie, so I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> uh, which which revitalized me. So then I was like, maybe I should watch something in between. Jesus. So I watched Dracula Dead Loving It. <laughs> Jesus. You just hate yourself, don't you? No, I love myself. I just... <laughs> So sometimes I think maybe I should be tested for autism. Like, <laughs> like maybe I, I might have a little touch of something that makes me go into these weird things where I watch one thing and then I'm like, I'm going to watch all the things that have anything to do with this. But you're like really stretching it this week. Uh, I'd say maybe bipolar. Maybe. Like, I hate myself. Now I love myself. Now I hate myself again. <laughs> but that was that was all the things I watched. It was good. It was a good week. Good lord. What did you watch, Doug? I got one movie to talk about. <laughs> Ironically, it is a Hammer movie. Um, uh, Curse of the Werewolf from 61 which is right. like obvi- obviously it's Hammer's take on the werewolf movie. I'd never seen it. Mm. And since I watched, I guess I am, this Noah thing is rubbing off of me since I watched a werewolf movie for the podcast that I'd never seen. I thought, <laughs> I should see if there's any other werewolf movies I've never seen. <laughs> and, oh, please, please, dear God, tell me that this is infectious and all of our listeners are going to start writing angry letters like, I watched a Frankenstein movie and then I watched 20 more Frankenstein movies. <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah curse of the werewolf is not good oh. um, it's here's the thing about this movie is it's called curse of the werewolf the, the only werewolf stuff happens at the end but this movie literally starts with like a, a beggar walking into a town and he's like begging for a change it's like set in like the i don't know a long time ago time mm-hmm. 1600s maybe and he walks into this town, he's begging for a town, he ends up going to, like, the castle to beg from, like, Prince or whoever. And then and it's... He gets thrown into the jail. 
that guy's not the werewolf. You would think that when you spend the first like 15 minutes of the movie watching this guy beg and then get mistreated by these people that he'd be the one that turns into a werewolf and maybe he's going to kill those other people or something. But it's like that guy ends up living in the jail cell for years before any werewolves come along in this movie. <laughs> and then like the jailer has a daughter who befriends that guy. And when that daughter grows up into like a woman with very, very large breasts, like uncomfortably large breasts, she probably had back problems as a result. <laughs> and then she refuses the advances of the now elderly prince or king or whatever that guy was from the beginning. She gets thrown in the jail cell with the the guy, the beggar from the beginning of the movie, who's now gone completely insane from being in jail for this whole, like, whatever, 25 years. So then he ends up raping her, to which she's now pregnant. And in the mythos of this movie, because her baby ends up, there's, there, and I'm skipping over some stuff, but then eventually it comes out that she's pregnant and she's taken in by this other family that finds her in the woods and they're going to let her stay there because they find out she's pregnant and when they find out her baby is due to be born on Christmas Day that's what creates a werewolf finally but we're like 45 minutes into a movie about a guy living in a jail cell and like we've literally watched this little girl who comes and befriends him and like serves him his food while he's in the jail cell grow up into this woman and she almost gets raped like she's like gets Harvey Weinstein, gets thrown in jail, gets raped, gets thrown back into Harvey Weinstein's room where now he's prepared to rape her and then she ends up killing him. And I'm like, where's the fucking werewolf? Like, what is going on? And it's, and then like, why is, what does Christmas Day have to do with werewolves all of a sudden? And it's like, and then like that werewolf, he grows up before he actually does any werewolfing around. Good Lord. So like, it's, and he's like, he's like, moves out of the, like the adopted parents house and ends up like going off to like college or something. And that's where like things go awry and he can no longer control his werewolfism. And that's where it actually towards the end you get. And like, then you get like a relatively neat scene with the werewolf and you're like, but why wasn't there like a lot of movie of that? Like, why is this movie about a werewolf start with like, the werewolf's father being a homeless man begging for food and then like 40 years later the werewolf finally does something like that's not that's don't put werewolf in your title then it's just it's, it, really annoying to me well it's disappointing because I, I, I actually own this movie and I haven't watched it yet oh really yeah so I just ruined it for you yeah I mean it's on a hammer box set that I bought so there's plenty else I can dig into but it bumps me out so here's the thing with Hammer is I think Hammer is at their best when they figure out that, hey, we're Hammer. Let's stop trying to be universal and just be Hammer. And that's why I like movies that like Dracula AD 1972. I like Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell or Frankenstein Created Woman. Like when they were like, fuck it, let's stop trying to be this like classy art house studio that makes shitty versions of the universal classics. And instead, let's just do our own campy fun movies. They got to be really good towards the end, but these early examples of them trying to do something serious, it's just like, like, I don't know. I don't know how anybody can think that starting 30 years before the vampire first transforms is a good way to tell your movie. I don't know why they're trying to make a drama about people being stuck in prison if none of those people are going to be the werewolf. It doesn't make any sense. 
So I'm confused. So, what you're trying to tell me is that there are, is a bad Hammer movie? I think that's where I went with that, yeah. Believe it or not. I have a hard time believing that. It's... <laughs> I would say anytime Hammer tries to be a serious studio, they fail miserably. And then when they just go, fuck it, let's have Peter Cushion fight a giant like monster played by uh, Darth Vader. And then it works fine. So that's, that's what they should, that's if I ever go back and watch another Hammer movie, I'm just going to make sure it's from like later in the years when they'd figured that out. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and that's the only one you watched. That is unfortunately the only one I watched. Well, I only got a chance to watch one movie as well. Um, And that is a current theatrical release, uh, which is Insidious 4. Or Insidious, The Last Key, as it's called. Um, Either one of you fans of the Insidious franchise? Um, I saw the first one. It was pretty good. I'm not a huge uh, possession slash ghosty story fan, mm-hmm. so I, I haven't checked out the rest of them. Not not out of any spite or anything, but just because they're generally last on my list of shit to do. Hmm. What about you, Doug? Yeah, uh, no, nah, not a fan. Um, just, I, I mean, I've said it before. I'm not really into. The sort of old Blumhouse movies, those sort of weird, creepy, I find them very interchangeable ghost mm. movies that they make. Well, that's disappointing because I really enjoy the Insidious franchise. Um, I think I only saw maybe one of the previous three, so maybe I'm prejudging and I should give them a chance, but probably not I mean, going to. So. I mean, if anything else, uh, it turns out by not on purpose. They ended up giving Lynn Shay her own horror franchise, yeah. which I'm all about. Even though that wasn't the intention, by you can tell by the end of the first the first movie. Um, but so this is part four. This is uh, a sequel to the prequel. So the movies chronologically take place in part three, part four, and then part one and part two. Um, okay. which if you've watched the first two that you'll understand why that makes sense uh, this one has her going back to her old childhood home because uh, somebody has uh, called her and asked her for help and uh, so her and her little ghost hunting uh, friends go to check it out and she knows there's something in there because she obviously she grew up in the house and knew there were apparitions or whatever already um they delve sort of into her backstory uh which is kind of interesting um i don't know i don't want to go too far into it because there's a weird eh, maybe not a weird twist but just a twist about halfway through that has you going like oh shit like i didn't see that being a thing in this movie but i guess it is um overall though i would say i really enjoyed it uh, it's about on par with uh, the rest of the Insidious movies. So if you're a fan of the Insidious franchise, I think you'll be uh, hopefully still be on board. I really enjoyed it. Um, I do hope they continue to do more. 
but the idea they're not going to be able to do prequels anymore. So I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go from here. But yeah, I don't know. Really enjoyed it. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out. Uh, Lynn Shay should have her own horror franchise. So we need to keep that going, if anything else. And uh, yeah, that's all I had a chance to watch this week. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Um, so next week, we're doing, uh, I guess, hotel horror or motel horror. Hotel. Uh, which is a weird decision. I don't, I don't really know why we put these together other than... Hotel, motel Holiday Inn. <laughs> I didn't know there'd be singing. I might not have agreed to this if I'd known about the singing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Motel Hell and Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive. Uh, nice little Toby Hooper uh, mini retrospective. And by mini, I mean one movie. Yeah, I don't know why that's considered a <laughs> I don't either. I don't even know why I said it. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be checking both of those out. Uh, don't remember good things about Eaten Alive, but maybe it'll be better on a second watch. I guess sort of why I picked it for the podcast is because I want I want to understand why everyone else likes it. I, I, I've only seen it the once, and I was not a huge fan. Yeah, me too. I guess we'll find out. You ever seen him, Noah? Which one? Uh, either one. Uh, no, I actually haven't seen either of these. <laughs> then, then why does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> you could have just pretended you were listening the whole time. I'll, I'll be 100% honest. I was looking up my boyfriend's back on IMDb to read the trivia. <laughs> there's, not, there's not very much. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing Motel Horror. So, um, I don't know. I guess prepare prepare for that. I don't know how you prepare. I guess I got no way, no way out of the segment. I don't know. You can watch the movies. I think they're both on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, we'll be posting links to both the movies. We found them on YouTube, which I think is what helped uh, helped us to come to this decision about doing these movies. Plus, it makes me feel better about the fact that I own both of these movies on DVD, so now that I know they're available worldwide for free, it makes me feel better about my purchases. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, is just so, we're, just so we're clear, the, uh, the Motel Hell I do, it's on the same as deranged which i already made you guys watch so that because it was this dvd i've had sitting there this, this two-pack sitting there that i've needed for watch so I'm like, we better watch both it's kind of a weird two-pack deranged ended up being all right so maybe this one will end up being all right i feel um, like there's some heads sticking out of the ground at one point that yeah like, that I would might say be that. the scene that i saw and caused me to want to watch the movie and buy the dvd 10 years ago and never watch it i would say out of these two movies that's the, it's the better one from my memory, so well, I don't know. The only my thing memories. I can I can say I've seen the trailer for Motel Hell about a billion fucking times. Um, I actually watched Motel Hell at the drive-in, Noah. Oh, nice! They had it for one of the Dust Till Dawn uh, nights. Uh, Amanda fell asleep during it, and I ate popcorn and watched it. They need it to start hilarious. doing that twice a year. I feel like I gotta wait way too fucking long. Seems like they used to like right when they would open the drive-in, they would do one, and then when they would close it, they would do one. But down to once a year now, and it seems like that they barely even like 
advertise them anymore. It's it's so funny thinking about it too, like because we skipped out on Maniac this last year. And in my brain, I keep going, man, I wish we would have stayed and watched Maniac. But in all reality, it's like, we would have been dead. There's no... <laughs> we're all old, man. We can't fucking stay up that late. Drive. Uh, yeah. Like, I would have been fine with it. Everybody else was kind of like, yeah, let's go. It's like, all right. Whatever. Doug's got quiet because he is also looking up the trivia for <laughs> my boyfriend's back. <laughs> It's incorrect. <laughs> I am looking up stuff on the internet, but it's not that closely related to the show. You guys started going off on a tangent. I'm like, ah, whatever. He's looking up his porn for tonight after he gets on with the show. Spank bank. As if I wouldn't have that bookmarked already. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you got to get your selections ready. <clears throat> That's got weird. <laughs> <laughs> And that's a good place to end the show. That is the perfect place to end the show. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.